This is Abnormal Entertainment. Hello, everybody. My name is Matt Grinier, and I host On the Way Down here on Abnormal Entertainment every Friday. What is On the Way Down? Well, simply put, it's a dude speaking into a mic about his life and about his week. That's pretty much all it is. If I have a bad week, you know it. If I have a good week, you know it. I like to make my week accessible to you. So if you're having a bad week and just want to see what's going on, check me out every Friday only on Abnormal Entertainment. Back in 1998, wasn't real bright, but he had a lot of nerve. Drank like a fish and he had a special place in the bottom of the learning curve. He had ten bells when he left his parents' house, falling at the mouth, shooting from the hip. He kept him for a week and recovered for a day, kind of changed with a positive left. Come, the dirtiest drop, dirtiest drop, dirtiest drop in the history of liquor. Dirtiest drop, dirtiest drop, dirtiest drop in the history of liquor. Well, hello, everybody. This is Daniel, and this is Put It Together. Thank you for joining me again. Uh, that was the Stanfields with the dirtiest drunk. And, uh, kind of plays along. Just kind of, like we've been doing in other shows, um, the intro song and the exit song kind of reflect what goes on on the show. Today I have a really cool guest with me. Uh, his name is Ryan, and he is representing the under 30 group in sobriety. Uh, I thought that. His story was really cool. Uh, I thought that uh, the challenges that he has been through uh, definitely reflect what somebody under 30 would have to go through to hit sobriety, to maintain it. Um, I'll let him tell the story once we get started. But uh, for now, I want to start by thanking Cam and Kevin for uh, the opportunity to be on the show. Thank you for letting me come back one more time. This will be episode 9. And I'm really excited because we're doing really good. Um, thank you for the comments. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for just being on top of everything. Just want to remind everybody, we're going to be in Arizona for Comic-Con. Uh, this is the Arizona, um, it's in Phoenix. So we're going to be there Thursday, May 24th through Sunday, May 27th. This is Memorial Day weekend. So make sure that you get your tickets. Uh, we're going to have a table. We're uh, going to have an open booth. I think we're going to attempt to have the very first uh, live podcast with almost all the cast, I hope all the cast, of Abnormal Entertainment. So make sure you check it out. Go and check out the Phoenix Comic Con, and uh, we're going to be there. Um, let me give you down the list, guys. Uh, we have some really great shows, and I want to make sure that you guys get the full list seen so that you go and check out all the shows we have on Abnormal Entertainment. We start with Sunday. Sundays we have the Atomic Ball Society with David Sabal and Tony Sabal. Check them out. On Mondays we have the Future Man with Jerry Wachowski and Scott Baldwin. On Tuesday, Cinema Head Cheese, the podcast with Jeff Dalniak, David Hayes, and um, Kevin Myers. On Wednesday, yours truly put together. And my uh, production brothers, Matthew Brown and Sean Salas. I love those guys. They're, they're crazy. They put on a great show. They're never sober by the end, and uh, I think it's the show where I've heard the most talks about vaginas and penises ever. So go check them out. See how many maybe you can start a drinking game. See how many times they say something stupid and have a shot. And I guarantee you, you'll be drunk by the end. But that's the the BS Carnival, and that's on Wednesdays with me. On Thursdays, raise your spirits with Kevin. Kevin. 
on Fridays on the way down with my good buddy Matt Grenier. He's got a great show. Make sure you go pay attention to him. Unprotected Sports with Tony and the Lion. That's with Tony Hughes and Leo Wachowski. And then on Saturday, because he doesn't have enough goddamn shows, he needs to have one more show. And plus, he's the producer. Kevin hates everything on Saturdays. And make sure you check him out. And then go back and um, pick up, you know, um, at the archives. There's all the past shows. Those are still playing. You can still check them out. Make sure you sign up with Stitcher. And if you want to find my shows, you go to Stitcher.com. Actually, on your phone, iPhone, or your Android. Put in there. Uh, put it together. All one word. And my shows will come up. And you're going to get messages every week when my show comes out. So you'll be the first to hear them. Um, and thank you. And it's because of you guys that I've been able to keep some really good numbers. Uh, this year, I have to admit, the numbers were not great. What happened? We're all my listeners. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for letting me have episode um, eight. It was kind of like a, just like a fun episode. It was really just about my best friend, Eric. It was a gift to him. Uh, for his birthday and again Eric if you're listening great birthday party man we had a great time we did some karaoke we ate some cool cakes uh, I'll post some pictures as soon as I get those also I want to thank our sponsors adamandeve.com Adam and Eve America's most trusted source for adult products make sure you go check them out they've got their clearance section and no it doesn't mean they've been used and returned they're just stuff that they're selling for cheap so go check them out um, 17 bucks spend 17 bucks you get a free gift plus they're discreet in their shipping they've served over 7.4 million satisfied customers they know their stuff go check them out there's everything from if you're man a woman gay straight bisexual anything you want it's in there toys videos lube and uh, I want to thank Adam and Eve I got my shipment. Thank you. I I have not used it, and no, there will not be pictures on this. Uh, sorry, I will keep that to myself. But I did order my stuff, and it works, guys. Just go on onto Adam and Eve. When you're about to check out, you can ask. It's gonna ask you for a code, so make sure you use our show's code. It's P I T P O D. P I T for put it together. P O D for podcast. So P I T P O D. P I T P O D. There you go. Uh, make sure you put that in the checkout. And you get a discount. Plus, that way they know that you heard the message on my show. And I want you guys to get that discount. Really cool stuff. Check out the uh, check out the uh, clearance section. I might show it to my friend Ryan before he leaves, just so he knows what who's sponsoring us. But thank you, AdamandEve.com, for America's most trusted source for adult products. Um, what else can I tell you before we go? Um, I'm trying to see if I can get uh, a little more about my therapy sessions. I do my therapy sessions every Monday and it's a group session but there's nothing really informative yet and I think I'm gonna wait until I have a single show with with no guest to kinda of put some of the stuff out there that I've been learning at, at, in, uh, in therapy um, there's some crazy stuff dudes uh, especially I don't know if you guys have ever been to therapy but when you do therapy alone it's pretty much just you talking and, and your therapist kinda of just nods and takes some notes and everything's cool but when you get into a group setting and you start comparing notes and you start realizing that you know there's always that one that's the most crazy in the group and you can't find the crazier person in your group which makes you believe that you're the crazy one in the group 
uh, I, I'm right there. And the sad thing is that there's only two of us in the group right now. So I'm thinking I'm the I'm the crazy one. Anyway, today was really cool. I, I actually broke down and cried, and uh, it was quite emotional. But I'll come back with you guys with that. I want to see if I can get uh, my therapist, uh, which I want to send a shout out to John Timberlake. Thank you, John Timberlake, over at ASF for your great job. Um, he's been my therapist now for about three months or four, and he's doing. I think he's doing a great job. He really gets a lot of stuff out of me. And just when I think I had made peace with my HA status and my sexuality and my recovery, boom, something else comes out. And it just makes me remember that the basic idea of today was that we're on the constant need. We're still, no matter how, no matter how put together I think I have my shit, there's always something missing. There's always something that I'm searching for. And today we made peace with that, with the fact that I'm never going to be fully complete. There's always going to be an, another job to look for. Um, how to improve my relationships with my partner, with my friends. Uh, how sometimes money might be you know, lacking. How my health might not be all the great. There's always, I'm always going to be in a constant need. And as long as I turn that into a positive and I put it together to work for me, then I won't be stressed out. I won't be depressed. I won't feel fear. I, I, I need to know for myself that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that I can get out of it. And that need that I feel at the moment, it's just temporary. I'm going to find it or I'm going to find something to fix it. Um, fortunately, in recovery, we learn that you don't need to do drugs or drink. Um, so that's out of the question. But... <laughs> If anybody out there works for a candy company or a cookie company and wants to sponsor us, bring it. Um, I, I would definitely enjoy the uh, the Twinkies and the Oreos and uh, uh, candy. Candy is still a, a big thing for me. Even after four years off crack, I still find myself craving a piece of dark chocolate in the middle of the night. And uh, No, but I, I won't drive out in the middle of the night to go get a piece of chocolate. But I will crave it until the next day when I can. But uh, what else can I tell you guys? I, I feel like I don't want to talk too much. So I'm going to go ahead and we're almost at the 20, 10 minute mark. I'm going to go ahead and bring Ryan into the conversation. And um, again, you're never too young to start on the road to recovery. Uh, I know folks who are in their late teens. I know folks now who have been in recovery for years. And they're in their 50s. And But I think one of the, one of the most important and I, I, I use the word loosely, one of the most important times for me in my addiction were my 20s. It's when I was coming into my own, when I was trying to discover who I was. Uh, up until I was 24, I lived in Dallas, Texas, and I was hitting the major bars, and I knew where the parties were, and I was a cokehead then, and uh, played with some acid and played with some eggs, but mostly my thing was, was coke, and I liked a good coke, and for any of you in Dallas, I used to go to JR's and sit there and have some martinis or go to, uh, I don't know if it's still there, Village Station and uh, drink and have my, uh, I think I was drinking bourbon and Cokes by then, but uh, 20s, I was trying to associate, I was trying to find my peers, I was trying to establish myself and, and network, well I thought it was networking, it was more just like hooking up. Uh, but everybody in Dallas was important. Everybody in Dallas had a great job. We were all cool. We were all of that G 
JR's Ewing generation, and we would we thought we were the shit. And I don't know where a lot of people are anymore. So, mental note to all of you twenty plus people out there: um, a lot of times the folks you meet at the bar and socialize and, and do drugs with, they're not gonna stick around when you're forty. Let me just I, I mean at least that's the way it is for me. But anyway, let me go ahead and uh, introduce him. Ryan, hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, Ryan is, is a buddy uh, we met here in Laguna. And for those of you who know that I work at the Shocker Shack, he came into the Shocker Shack and we kind of hit it off right away. Um, I think I kind of kidnapped them because I locked the door to the store and we'll let them out kind of thing. <laughs> um, but tell us a little bit about your background. Well, um, I started out... Um, growing up in a small town, uh, went to college in a town about an hour away. It was a bigger city, about 300,000 people, and there I found alcohol, <laughs> uh, which would be my best friend for the next eight years. Um, went through a lot of great times with it. Um, yeah. It was every day, all the time, wide open. But, and this was your, you were in college, but you finished college. Yes. And do you remember finishing college? <laughs> <laughs> I remember graduation, okay, yeah. That's, that's good. That's I had some drinks before graduation. <laughs> um, do, do you, th and, and I guess this goes, because I, I grew up in a big city. Do you think that coming from a, from a small town and transitioning into a bigger environment was it pretty much kid in a candy store, let loose? There was nobody stopping you. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it was. You just went out, and in high school, you'd heard about pot, and everybody drank. But, you know, you go to a big city, and that's where the real drugs come into play. You know, you get oxy, heroin, crank, you know. Right. So did, you were in college, what, four years? <laughs> no. Longer? Uh, six and a half six years a half, to get okay. a four-year degree. Okay, well, that, that, I think that's about right. You want to do it right. Yeah. You want to make sure you got all the information you needed. Yeah. So I, I, I'll we'll say that. Um, was it just uh, drinking that got you through college, or did you play and dabble in other stuff? Um, I dabbled in other stuff. Um smoked a little pot early on in my college years and then towards the end I started getting into well first off I'm an alcoholic I'm an addict and I go to see my doctor and I tell him you know I've got a lot of anxiety I'm real stressed and they give me Xanax oh well there you go yeah yeah Xanax Why so not? we don't we don't have a problem in this country <laughs> So I start taking the Xanax, you know, as I'm supposed to, and one's good, and two's even better, and, you know, half a bottle really make you feel good. <laughs> and this was a daily thing? Yeah. So you learned, to, I've never been on the pill side of it, but you can function, you can do your daily stuff with no problem. Right. Do you get to the point where you need the pills to function normal on a daily? Oh, yeah. It's just like, you know, any other drug. Once you use it enough, you know, that becomes normal to you. And then once you take the drug away, you don't know how to live right. at all. Now, not to put your, your, your family on the spot or anything, but um, 
Was there any... I guess I want to ask this question because if there's parents listening, was there any ever any conversations, any talks about, hey, you might encounter this in college, avoid it? Not really. Um, I didn't really have much of that from my family. Um, I moved out and I got some, you know, warnings about alcohol and going to parties and. You know, my parents, I, I I thought I knew everything back then, and, you know, I thought that they thought that, I you know, I was clean and sober and didn't drink, but they knew the truth. They knew I was partying. So, do you, touching on that part, do you think there's, and I don't mean just your family, I mean families in general, and maybe adults in general, are we a little, I'll say the word delusional, are we a little in denial in thinking that, not everybody drinks in college and not everybody parties in college yeah we're we're definitely in denial as a country you know you send your kid off into this environment and basically it's just a free-for-all they're able to do whatever they want um, hang out with whoever they want and they have that mindset or at least I did that college is party time right yeah now Thinking back a little bit, do you think that, and let's be realistic, was there anything, is there anything that your parents could have told you that would have stopped you from doing it? Well, I think the best thing they could have done would have been to openly admit that they knew that I was doing it. And then, you know, give me a little more warning about, you know, don't drink and drive, whatever you do. You know, just stay where you're at or get a cab. Because there were a lot of times that, you know, I drove whenever I shouldn't have been driving. Because I'm like, oh shit, I don't want, you know, to leave my vehicle here. Because then my parents will find out I'm not at home. Right. Right. Because I'm thinking back to my early days of drinking and... The only thing that I paid attention to was when my dad told me, while you live in our house, you will not do drugs. And I was like, I was okay with that. But no sooner did I move out that I tried them. I mean, I moved out and the next day I was... I was, And, and drinking, it, well, at least in... And I say this jokingly, but I, a lot of people agree with me. In my culture, in the Hispanic culture, drinking beer is, is not considered alcoholism. There's no alcoholics because we just do it on a regular basis. Um... Looking back, do you, do you were there any signs somewhere along in your family that you said, "Well, this is okay. I don't want to go down that path"? Or well, um, in my family, not really. Okay, it had been. I have an older sister who went to college, and <coughs> she got caught drinking beer, and it was a big ordeal. And and I just thought, you know, I'll be a little sneakier than that. <laughs> That, I, I like the way that sounds. Instead of saying, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to find a better way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's okay. always, always shortcuts and better ways. So, how, we know there's peer pressure in high school. Mm -hmm. Is there peer pressure in college? Because I didn't go to a regular college. Is there peer pressure in college to drink and be part of the crowd? There is, but not as much as high school. It's more or less, you know, that's what... A lot of people are doing so you know it's the cool thing to do to go hang out with them okay. but if you don't do that I mean you're just kind of left out of the scene 
So, okay, so now we fast forward. We, you graduate college. Mm-hmm. I graduate college. Um, I have a hard time finding a job in our shitty economy. Okay. Um, so I was unemployed for a little while. And that's when I really started to drink heavy. I'm like, hmm, you know, I can drink whenever. Why not have a beer at 8 a.m.? <laughs> Nothing goes better with Fruit Loops than a beer. Right. Fruit well, Loops and beer. Well, of course, like. Che- yeah, <laughs> cheer- <laughs> Cheerios and some Bush Light. You know. Perfect. So, yeah. Um, You're looking for work and then. Looking for work. And getting deeper into alcoholism and deeper in and deeper in. And finally the beer wouldn't work for me. It wasn't strong enough. Um, So I found vodka, which is the drink of choice for any good alcoholic. And why? Because you can't smell (laughs) it. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, you can drink it and then go to school, go to church, go to work, wherever your thing is. Not to mention pretty little clear vodka. (laughs) Mix it with anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can even get the flavored stuff. (laughs) But not for me. I I was a straight Smirnoff guy and um, drank by the half gallons. I didn't mess around with fifths or anything like that. Why pussyfoot it? Yeah, don't no pussyfooting around. Cool. So and yeah, you, and you're you're old at this point. I am about twenty four. Okay. So then I went to rehab for my first time. Um, I was getting really bad. The beer was gone. Um, vodka had replaced it, and drinking around the clock. And finally, I had some friends from high school come over, and they said, Look, man, you know, you're really in bad shape. Will you go get help? And at that time, I felt so shitty just physically. I was so beat down. I'm like, you know, sign me up. You know, where do I go? So that was my first trip to rehab. And my first trip to rehab got me 88 days of sobriety. Um, I don't know how I okay. put together 88 days because I didn't work a program at all like I was supposed to. It was just praying and staying, basically. Just a dry sober. Right, just, just a dry drunk. Dry yeah, drunk I wasn't drunk. a recovered alcoholic. So, basically, it was an intervention, basically. Basically, yeah. And, and I mean, if your high school buddies that you hung out with are the ones that come back to tell you you have a problem. You know you have a problem. Right. And these are the same ones that, you know, we go boating, we crack beers at 8 a.m. I mean, they were in the same category. And in my opinion, I, you know, I drank, a, I was a little better than them at it. But, um. So why do you think they singled you out? What was it about your habit or, or your way of living that raised the flag for them? And not the other way around. Well, whenever we would go out, um, I would always end up being the one that was out of control, drunk, um, falling over, can't walk, um, never did throw up or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes as long as you don't throw up, as long as you don't throw up, you're good. You can pass out, you can wobble, just don't throw up in the car. Right. You're good, yeah. Right. Pass out, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. 
So yeah, that kind of raised a red flag for them. You know, I'm always the guy, you know, getting real fucked up and falling over. So. Yeah. So, but 88 days, and what happened? 88 days, and I'm driving home from um, an AA meeting. And out of nowhere, I just said, you know, fuck it. I'm going to go buy a bottle. I need a drink. Wow. And other times I'd had similar thoughts and I'd stop myself. But this time I went to CVS and bought a bottle. What do you think was missing that was... I'm going to say missing. What was missing to, to complete that, that the sobriety effort? that made you just like okay well mine was loneliness um at the time I was supposed to go out with a friend that night a sober friend and he ended up canceling last minute and that kind of put me in you know a state of loneliness and depression and basically I called my best friend from the past and alcohol was there so how long, how much longer did you go out when you, after the 88 days? The 88 days I drank for a few months and then went back to the rehab for nine more days. And that time it didn't really stick. The minute I got out, I was back to old tricks. I'd met, you know, some people in rehab that told me about Oxy and... Huh found out that, you know, it was a better drug than alcohol. <laughs> and fun, oddly enough, you know, I learned this in rehab. Uh, where else can you learn the best tricks? Yeah, yeah. best tricks that you yeah. learn from rehab. But are, they, I mean, and then, but are they, like, really that great? I mean, you use them just... It's the A plus B equals C thing, you know. It's U plus B the action and C the reaction. All you, all you really changed was B just to get the same reaction... In the end, does that make sense? Right, but it's quicker. Ah, okay. Yeah, I've never it's tried a, it. It's a speed thing. Ah, okay. Yeah, you do lines and. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do a few lines of OC and you're set. Okay, so how much more research did you go off and do this time? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Basically, I stayed just on the pills then, never got into anything really heavier like some people do, like, you know, heroin or anything like that. But, I mean, they call Oxy, you know, hillbilly heroin, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, it fits, you, it fits you know? with Indiana. There you go. Good. Sounds, sounds a problem. Sounds yummy. We should all go to Indiana <laughs> and try some. So, you go back out, you're, you're doing the pill thing, I mean, the, the Oxy. Um, how much longer does it take you before you come back? Um, then, I made it about a year and a half. Okay. And a year and a half, um, I'd, I'd gotten a DUI and went to court and basically the court said, you're going to stop drinking. And I said, no, I'm not. Because <laughs> you know better. <laughs> because I, I know better than the court <laughs> The judge doesn't know me. You don't know me? What the hell? Yeah, exactly. So I kept drinking and drinking and... Showed up drunk at one of my probation meetings. Oh. So I got kicked out of that program, assigned to a probation officer, and had to go give daily breathalyzers. Daily? Daily. That's 
That's hard shit right there. Yeah. And I knew, you know, what time I had to go get him and still managed to fail breathalyzers. Wow. That's that's the intensity of it. Yeah. And, and it gets worse. So the court mm-hmm. system decided they're going to force me to take an abuse. And for those of you that don't know what an abuse is, it's a medicine that when you drink alcohol while you're on it, it makes you sick. It makes you throw up. Uh, makes you, or Some people pass out. You get intense really? sweating. And I found out that as long as I was just drinking beer or wine, I could drink on an abuse. Are you serious? Yeah. So you were a resourceful drunk. Resourceful. <laughs> Let's give it that way. Yeah. Let's use that word. You... That's the polite, polite <laughs> way of saying it. Um, that's crazy. I mean... Not that we're gonna give away how you, how you found out. Let let it, let everybody else find out their own ways. But that your addiction was so at that level that you found a way. And the crazy thing is, we find a way to do more instead of finding a way to like help ourselves. Instead of using those brain cells for some for for good, we use them for evil. Right, because the whole time your brain's screaming more, more, more drugs and. Wow. Yeah, that's you're not, you're not thinking of ways to better yourself. That's at pretty all. insane. Okay, so so you you're failing your your breathalyzer stuff. Uh, they got you on the pills, and I still get caught. Okay, and this time they say you're either gonna do thirty days inpatient in a rehab facility, or you're gonna do ninety days of jail with work release. Okay, so I balance it out and. I ended up in rehab, picked the better option of the two, and did my 30 days, came back, and made it a few weeks, and I was drinking again. Wow. So, same thing this time, being alone? Same thing, the loneliness. um, To me, it was just alcohol was always there. Right. Yeah, and... Like I said, I made it three weeks and then started using again, and the drinking got worse and worse. Um, I was drinking again around the clock, but this time mixing it with the Oxy, with some, you know, Xanax and Klonopins, and just, I was a complete disaster. And eventually, um, the night that did me in, I was out doing some shopping about five, six o'clock, I think, in the evening, if I remember right. And I'm driving along, and I've got me, you know, my vodka and crayon right there with me, of course. And I look up, and I see a, a minivan in front of me, and the minivan stopped. And I look, and... Like, my brain tells me, hey, hey, you need to hit the brakes and stop, but I can't move my foot. Wow. So, I'm running about 50 mile an hour down the road, and I hit a minivan that was stopped. Uh, Next thing you know, the police are there, and I'm in jail once again. I can't imagine what goes through your head. As you're trying to hit the brakes, your mind is telling you to do it. Your your legs not reacting, and it's getting closer and closer. And boom! I mean, yeah. What what are you thinking? 
the first thing I thought was, oh shit, I'm going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty general idea, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think I was that bad off, but I was over point oh eight. Wow. So um, I did the field sobriety test and I passed it twice. Wow. And I started to get excited and I thought, hmm, you know, they're just gonna take me home and you know, it'll it'll all be okay. And then they brought out the friend, Mr. Trusty Breathalyzer. Oh, dear. Yeah. And I blew. And this is, keep in mind, after passing the field sobriety test twice, and I blew a .358. Wow. Yeah. If anything, I have to say, when you do something, you do it right. Yeah. So, why, why go with little shitty numbers? Yeah, wow. very, very dedicated. <laughs> so, you end up in jail? I end up in jail for the night and went back to court. This time I'm in felony court, not misdemeanor court. Wow. And the judge this time is really not happy with me. And I decide, you know, hey, I've got to do something. I've got to clean myself up or this is going to kill me. Right. And is that when you decide to come to California? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did you end up in California? Well, actually, I had came out here for my first 30-day stint of rehab in June. Okay. And then um, came back in October and made it October until now, and I'm coming up on six months of sobriety now. Cool. Congratulations. Thank That's, you. The first six months, I remember, for me were pretty exciting. Um, so what's made it work six months this time? Uh, for one, there was a complete attitude change. Um, I knew that this was my only option. It's either work, you know, work a program or death mm -hmm. or jail. And I chose life. Did you receive or did you get any ultimatums from your family? They were just pleading with me that I had to do something. You know, I had to get help or else I wasn't going to make it. And I can remember my dad talking to me, and he said that one of the saddest parts of his life was when he convinced himself that he was going to have to bury his own son. Wow. That's, that's harsh to listen. Yeah. That was hard to hear coming from him. If, thinking back, what do you think has been the biggest loss for you? in your drinking career, what's the one thing that you've lost? He's like, oh man, I wish I could get that back. Oh, I miss all, <laughs> all the club days, the going out of town, um, singing drunk at karaoke bars. <laughs> Who doesn't like a good drunk karaoke? Yeah. Um, going to baseball games and, you know, getting shit-faced there. Good times. That, that's, okay. What has been the, uh, the biggest gain in your sobriety? The biggest gain has been life and the way I feel. Yeah? Yeah. I wake up every day and I don't reach for a bottle. Um, amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, what? Because I, I had the pleasure of meeting your mom. And, mm -hmm. uh, let me just say I, I love your mom and we're not going to we'll leave it at mom. Um, thank you for my lotion by the way mom. It was, I, st I still use it every day. Um, how has your relationship... Well, let's let's go back a little bit. 
How was your relationship with your mom when you were drinking? Um, we still maintained a relationship to where I saw her and ate dinner with her usually about once every week or two. So we we still had a relationship, but it was it was very stressed. And how has it? What's happened up to now? Because when I met her, she, she was pretty happy, pretty bubbly, uh, great great lady. How has your relationship changed? Well, for one, there's not that worry every day that you know you're going to get a phone call saying that your son's dead. Yeah. You know she doesn't worry anymore about me. That's good. Um, friends, how does a 20-something-year-old make friends in sobriety? Um, there's a lot of sober activities. Um, I recommend, you know, going through AA. Um, that's been a big part of my recovery. And what's next? Um, you're going for six months. I'm, I'm sure... The goal is to stay sober longer, but what besides the basics, the book, the meetings, the friends, what else are you doing to, I guess not guarantee, I can't guarantee it because there's no guarantee, but what are you promising yourself to do to keep your sobriety? Well, for one, um, I look at it as I take a drink, I die. So, I know I don't have that option anymore, and it's it's tough for me to look back at other friends that are in the same pattern that I was in, and they look at me and say, oh, well, you know, I'm never going to get that bad, or it'll never come to that, and, you know, I know that they're headed down the same road, it's going to end the same way. Yeah. So, They're going to have the same options. So just to throw it in there, what was the craziest thing you ever did when you were drunk? Ah. <laughs> craziest thing. Well, there was the time that I rode the mechanical bull. Okay. That was good. <laughs> um, there's probably some Vegas stories that aren't um, yeah. air appropriate. What, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, Strippers. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Who doesn't have a good stripper story about when they're drunk? Right. I mean, you got to. Um, if there is a 30 under or, or 20 under guy or girl out there that says, my life will end if I stop drinking or I can't stop going out with my friends because I'll have no life what would you say to that I would say I went through the same thing um, I used to say I'm gonna drink until I die and I didn't imagine that being dying at 20 something I imagined me being 70 80 years old and you know sitting on my front porch in my Cracker Barrel rocker <laughs> And, you know, having a drink in my hand. <laughs> oh. And then, uh, how old were you when you had your first drink? My first drink... Uh, was that, that really mattered. Not that really mattered was when I went to college at 18. Okay. So, what would Ryan now go back and tell Ryan that's going off to college? That there is life outside of partying that 
that's just one little aspect of life and that piece of the pie is so small compared to all the things that you can do in sobriety. Because I, I keep telling people, and I, I pretty much guarantee everybody that's listening, that when you go off for a job, there's no part on the application that says how much did you drink in college, how many pong games did you win. Um, <laughs> Beer pong's important. Yeah, I mean, although I'm sure that it's part of college life. In Indiana especially. I, I don't know that I've ever actually seen an application that requires you to post a video of your expertise or, <laughs> or anything. Um, what's your biggest loss? What, what has... What did alcohol really cost you other than money? Uh, relationships and time. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm 26 now, and thank God I stopped when I'm young. Um, message to everybody out there, you know, if you, if... If you stop now and get it under control, then you're going to have the rest of your life to actually live. Yeah. But I've talked to people that are in their 50s and 60s and have partied their entire life and they finally quit and they're like, you know, I'm already old. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they can't take advantage of living the rest of their life, mm -hmm. you know, being happy and sober. What does it do to your health at this age? At this age, um, well, physically, alcohol got me down uh, to the point of when I went to rehab for the first time. You know, I was I was pissing blood, shitting blood, puking blood. Wow. I mean, it, it's true. It does happen. Were you scared? I was scared. At that point... Um, yeah, very scared. I, I thought, you know, death has to be close to that. And guilt? Guilt. Yeah, you were asking me earlier, too, um, what part I regret the most. Would probably be the relationships I had with other women. Yeah. Um, I had some great relationships, and every one of them ended because of alcohol. Wow. So... It's it's really for me sitting here and listening. It's it's one of those things. Ryan and I, hang, now that he lives in Laguna, we've hung out a couple of times outside of, of this conversation. And every time we talked, I always walk away, and it has nothing to do on you. It's just my own backstory that you know I, I didn't stop drinking till four years ago. I'm 41 now, so almost five years now, but. In my twenties, that it was such an important part, especially well, I don't know in the in the straight community, but as far as the gay community is concerned, it was important for us to find the right bar and the right clique and belong to the right group and dress a certain style, and it was but it was all involved in a bar and it all involved drinking, because the inhibitions w would fall and uh, you were freer to do whatever you wanted, and uh, I assure you that. M 90% of my relationships started over cocktails or the morning after uh, the Coyote Ugly mornings were like, <laughs> shit, where did you come from? Um, is it the same for, for a straight guy in, in his 20s going out? and? It is. I mean, that 
that's how you know you hear so many people say, "Well, I have to have a couple drinks, you know, to even be able to talk to a girl." And I used to be the same way, you know. Um, give me, you know, ten, not a couple, and I'm loosened up a little bit <laughs> and ready to roll. But yeah, um, I just thought that that was such a major part, and you know, I couldn't possibly imagine not having alcohol there. And that's one thing that I've learned in sobriety is that you don't have to give up the places you go. All you have to give up is the alcohol. Right. And what have you... What's the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself? What's the biggest... Uh-huh. Wow. I didn't, about you? My biggest thing would just be to stay true to myself. Yeah? Yeah. How does a 20-something... Still growing, I mean, cause at, 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 in your twenties, you're still developing and mentally and trying to get to where you want to go. And I can't put it another way. It has to be some kind of mind fuck too. Like you're trying to put things together, and now sobriety comes into play, and it's a whole new set of rules. It has to warp your mind somehow. It does. It does. It is a little mind warping. The part that gets me the most about sobriety are how easy things come to you. Yeah. It's like things just fall into place and you're not having to to, you know, force things to happen. It's like trying to put, you know, a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um we still have about 15 minutes to go. But I, I won't have I won't have, I won't keep you talking that long. But let's send out some messages to some folks. Um, let's start off with, with those kids in small town Indiana going off to college and think, this is my chance to like break free from my parents. What message can you send them? Well, there's nothing wrong with going out. Just be responsible. Um, I had two DUIs and a crash that very well could have killed me or other people. And, you know, I could have gotten a cab every time. Okay. What message can we tell the parents of those kids? To loosen up and face the truth and realize that, you know, your son or daughter is in college and they're probably going to drink yeah. and they're going to party. But at least if you're open with them about it, then they will come to you whenever they realize it, you know, if they do have a problem. Right. Um, how about 20-something-year-old that's sitting, listening to this and going, sobriety is not going to work for me. Did you ever have that? Let me ask that. Let me ask that first. Did you ever have that doubt after the couple of stints in rehab? Did you ever think, this is not for me, it's not going to work for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought that a lot of times. I, I thought, you know, what the hell am I doing? You know, everything I know is built around alcohol. You know, I, all my hobbies, you know, I love playing golf, beer sport. I love going <laughs> bowling, beer sport. Boating, beer sport. And, you know, I'm like, everything I do is involved around alcohol and you take away that then you have nothing well 
since you have some time touching on that, have you done any of those activities in sobriety? Yes, I have. And how did it go? Actually, um, went a lot better. <laughs> yeah? I found out that, you know, golf's a lot easier. And <laughs> better score? Yeah, better scores. Because cool. <laughs> uh, for me, it was about uh, going out and, and dancing and just... I had I, I was always about dancing and having a drink and once I couldn't it was like oh wait a minute um, birthday parties are tough ones so I always want to cheer I always want a little champagne and now that I can't have it it's like ah um, I don't know if, the, if, you, if you can touch on this one but what message would you have for your family ah uh, my family the message I have to them would just be gratitude. Straight gratitude that they were always there for me no matter what. And they went through some very tough times with me. Yeah. But they were always there. Cool. So, we're almost running time and I feel like there's so many more questions that I missed out on, but um, I want to thank you. I think it's pretty brave of you. I think it's pretty courageous that uh, at 26 you're, you're, you finally made the decision to take in the information and, and use it. Uh, from what I know of you, you're a pretty smart guy, and pretty intelligent, great conversations that we've had. And I, I guarantee you folks that this is just like the tip of, of conversations. Um, we've had some pretty fun stuff. Um, but it's, it's, I hope other folks see you and others like you at, at this age taking taking a stand and making a change in your life uh, and not wait till you're 40 or 50 or 60 and then say, oh, well, now I'm going to do it. Because by then you've lost so much time. But then my spirituality tells me that this is just part of your journey and this is how far you have to go with the drinking in order to move forward. So... Uh, what's next? We're, we're six months here. Are you, are you staying in Laguna? I am in California now, um, living it a day at a time. Right now, um, yeah, my plans are to stay in California. I uh, get my license back tomorrow, hopefully have my own um, apartment within a couple months. So yeah. things are going really well for cool. me. Cool. Well, um Outside the show, you know, I wish you all the best, but I want to say it on the show, I, I, I wish you all the best. All, you're, you're a smart, cool guy to hang out with. I, 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 I want nothing but the best for you so that it sticks. And um, not usually on the show, we'll put him out, but um, Ryan, we're going to keep his anonymity uh, secret. But if you guys want to get in touch with the, him, please do it through me. Um, I forgot to tell you at the beginning of the show. It's um, uh, abnormalpit at hotmail.com. So make sure if you have any questions, you can send them there or go to the Facebook page. Facebook backslash, put it together. Check us out. Make sure you like it. And uh, um, I'm not going to put up any pictures or any tags. So if you have any questions for Ryan and you want to get in touch with him, and uh, please pass them through our show and I will make sure that he gets them. Uh, if there's any questions you have, maybe you are sitting there in small town USA and you're about to go to college and you don't know how to handle it and you don't know what's, 
you don't know what's expected of you and you don't know what to expect of that. You don't know how to handle the peer pressure or the challenges of fitting in. Um, and that's cool. We all go through it. And, and, and let me guarantee you, it doesn't get any easier because I still go through the anxieties. I go meet new people and I panic. And um, But it takes meeting friends and having friends around you that will encourage you and, and help you get through it. So if you're out there listening, first off, find a local AA group. Just go online. You know how to go online because you find this show. So go online and Google AA.com and, and there's a page or I'll call it anonymous and Google it and, and something will come up. First off, find a meeting near you and get talk to somebody. But you got to put it out there. People don't know you have an issue, really, unless you say something. Because I don't know if you'll agree with me, Ryan, but by the time people come to you and say, you've got a problem, it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, and it's possibly too late. I mean, it wasn't for me because I did manage to get help. But what about all those times where I slid by, um, didn't get in the bad car accident, you know, something something bad didn't happen to me. Yeah. And that that's just what I, what I want to stress is that it happens. Um, even now in the program, that's the thing that scares me the most is since I've been in California... I have seen three people that have died due to this disease. Wow. Yeah, and that's in six months. Six months. So you can imagine uh, my drinking career started at 15, and I drank for 21 years. That's a lot. Of, you see a lot. So you don't have to take it from me. You don't have to take it from Ryan. You don't have to take it from anybody else. If, if, if definitely... If this is the journey you want to go on, if that's a path you want to take and you want to you want to go buy a drink and you say, if you are one of those people that believe that you are different, that <laughs> you can handle yourself, that you will never get caught, that you will never get in trouble, that you had 20 beers in one party because you wanted to have 20 beers in one party and you can stop tomorrow if you want to. By all means, if you are that fortunate, lucky one, if you are the newborn Jesus that can turn water into wine and can drink it all night, I invite you to come on the show. I want to meet you. I want to know how you did it. Because I, I will admit that I'll be five years in June. I do miss the occasional red wine with dinner. And I miss the champagne toast at, at New Year's Eve. But it ain't going to stop there. And my thing was crack. And I will smoke the couch if I have to just to get high and not that I ever did I burned a couple of couches but I never smoked on um, but yeah if you know if, if you're sitting there and, and with an honest side to it if you're sitting there and you're listening to the show or somebody forward this show to you and you're like well, I'm under 30 my life is over you know here we have Ryan life did not end you did not explode or turn into dust when you stopped drinking alcohol no and I'm not going to lie to you. The first 90 days, <laughs> they're shitty. Yeah? Yeah. It's it's not the best 90 days of your life. So before we go, we still have about five minutes. What has been the worst thing that's happened to you in sobriety? In sobriety? Um, well, not having my license has really been tough on me. Okay. 
Um, and then both good and bad, I live in a sober living house and you know, sometimes things there get a little rowdy and out of control, but other than that, I have no complaints. Sobriety's been great to me. So you will agree that your worst day in sobriety is way better than your best day in, 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 in drinking. I hate that saying. <laughs> yeah, that is the absolute most bullshit saying <laughs> I've heard in the program. Why? I don't believe it. I can't figure it out. Yeah. yeah, I don't want yeah, to. I don't I, agree with that. You like that way? You, you you take my best day drunk, and yeah, I don't know about you're, it. You're not sure about that one, okay? No, no, just well, just messing around. It is a lot better. <laughs> but it's kind of. I mean, I, I I I do every once in a while. Think about it, and I see my friends. We go to we go to lunch. We go to brunch. We go to dinner, and they order a drink. And there is one sometimes that little bit of nostalgia, and I'm like. I wish I could have a beer with my burger, or have a beer with my pizza, or, damn, that glass of wine with that steak looks really good, and I'll admit, it, it creeps up on you, and, um, but again, if there are any chocolatiers out there that are listening to the show, dark chocolate <laughs> does it for me, some good old dark chocolate, uh, if you want to send me stuff, uh, Ikea has some really good dark chocolate, yes I know, Ikea, what? No, they do. They do. But, uh, okay, with that, we're almost running out of time. Ryan, thank you so much for being on, on the show. You're welcome. Thank, thank you, sir. You. Um, it's been a pleasure, and I, I hope that this is just the beginning of a, of a better and stronger friendship. I hope to be there for you, whatever I can. Come back to the show. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, so, guys, um, again, I want to thank Cam and Kevin for uh, putting it together. I'm sorry, for uh, Abnormal Entertainment. Thank you to my bosses. Uh Love you guys. You are great, and thank you. This has been episode nine, and I hope, I hope, I hope that uh, we continue because I, I'd love to do a Spanish version of Put It Together, so keep your fingers crossed. I got my t-shirt, guys. I forgot about that. Um, make sure you go to our Facebook pages. We have our t-shirts, and uh, I will post a picture with my t-shirt. I got mine yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, Saturday. And... Uh, I'll wear it and have... In fact, I'll wear it probably before Ryan leaves and have him take a picture of me. Now, post those pictures on Facebook. You'll see me with my t-shirt. On the front, it says, put it together. On the back, it says, like, love, and respect. Awesome t-shirts. I got mine yellow to match my logo. Get those t-shirts. Um, thank you again, Adam and Eve, for uh, for your sponsorship. Adam and Eve, America's most trusted source for adult products. And uh, thank you for my shipment. Anything left over in the clearance section, send it over. Uh, I'll test and drive it for you guys. Uh, make sure you pay attention to all the shows. Remember, we got new shows every day for you guys. And for those friends out in Phoenix, guys, we're going to see you Memorial Day weekend. Make sure you get your tickets. We will see you there on the 24th of May, 24th through the 27th. And we will have our panel will be there on the 26th. And we're set at 1.30 for about 90 minutes but I will be there with my cards so if you're interested in a mini reading I will be there offering some readings for you guys um, thank you so much for keeping me in, in, in the numbers and I'm going to leave you again uh, I want to apologize to Cam Cam I know I went over I always go over but it's the songs I swear it's because the songs that I pick um, are pretty cool so I'm going to leave you guys with this song now 
Is that the one? That wasn't the one. That's not the song I wanted, but... Uh... I think this is it. That's it. Have a good one, guys. Put it together. abnormalentertainment.com for podcasts, blogs, and videos. New content goes up every single day at abnormalentertainment.com.